Praise God. How are you all doing tonight? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I'm glad to be here. Uh, Praise God. We've got a wonderful word for you tonight. So let's just go ahead and get before the Lord in prayer before we get started. Heavenly Father, we just come before you right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise this day. This is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice, and we will be glad in it, Father. We thank you, Lord, for sending your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word goes forth tonight, that it never returns to you void, but it shall accomplish that which you please and prosper in the things where you send it. And so, Holy Spirit, I submit myself to you to use me, to speak through me, and to minister through me a word fitly spoken in due season. I ask, Lord, that my speech and my preaching are not filled with enticing words of men's wisdom, but that they are in demonstration of your spirit and of your power. That our faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And Father, we just thank you, Lord, that every heart is open, every ear is open to receive what the Spirit of the Lord has for us today. I thank you, Lord, that the eyes of our understanding are enlightened this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Well, you know, I was just uh, praying about what I'm going to be ministering tonight, and I just got in my spirit that uh, I'm supposed to be ministering to you about wilderness survival. Wilderness survival. Now, we're not going to talk about, you know, uh, harvesting pine nuts and eating worms and bugs and stuff like that. We're talking about spiritual wilderness survival. And, you know, some of us have been caught in uh, places of spiritual wilderness in our lives. Amen. You know, on the outside, things may not look any different than what we normally see you going through. But on the inside, in the spiritual realm, you may be going through a wilderness phase in your life. Now, that word wilderness simply means this. It means an empty or pathless area. An empty or pathless area. When, when I say wilderness, some people uh, conjure up thoughts of maybe a desert, a desert plain. Or some people may think of, of the wilderness like you would see in the Sierra Nevada. But in any case, a wilderness is a place where most people don't go to. There aren't too many people there. There aren't too many. In fact, there may not be anybody there. And in the spiritual wilderness, you may be in a place where people just don't see the pain that you're going through or the struggles that you may be uh, experiencing right now in your life. But praise God, God is with us. Amen. God is with us always. His name is Emmanuel, God who is with us. Amen. So we're just going to go ahead and look here in Isaiah. I want you to open up your Bibles. And for the most part, we're going to be reading out of the King James Version. So let's look in Isaiah chapter 43. And let's just see what God has to say about wilderness. Isaiah chapter 43, and we're going to look at verse 18. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18. And it reads here, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Praise God. God is doing a new thing. And a lot of times when God is doing a new thing in our lives, God is calling us to step out. Step out in faith. Amen. And when we're stepping out in faith, sometimes we're going to step out into uncharted waters. How many of you have ever gotten something from God to do something, and you've never done it before ever in your life? 
Huh? We've all been there, right? God has called you to do something and you've never done it. You don't know how to do it. And you just have to rely on him leading you and directing you. And sometimes it may feel like you're out there by yourself. But praise God, God is with us. Amen. So the first step in wilderness survival is simply this. Bring plenty of food and water. Bring plenty of food and water. Amen. That applies in the natural sense, but it also applies in the spiritual sense. Amen? In fact, let's look here in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And we're going to see how Jesus dealt with wilderness survival. Praise God. We're going to be survivalist experts after this one. Amen. Praise God. Did I say Luke chapter 4, verse 2, right? Okay, praise God. All right. So, being 40 days, tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing. We're talking about Jesus. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. What was the devil doing? He was tempting Jesus. And what was Jesus' response? Oh, thank you, Mr. Devil. I'm really starving. I could use a piece of bread. No, this is what he said. He said, Jesus answered him saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And we know that the devil uh, continued to try and tempt Jesus two more times. But every time he resisted him, and he resisted him with the word. And a lot of times when you're going through a wilderness period, you're going to need plenty of food and water, right? No one can survive in, say, the Mojave Desert or Death Valley without any water. It's too arid. It's too dry. You'll dehydrate and you'll starve to death. So you need plenty of food and water. Well, the Word of God is our manna from heaven. Amen? It is also the water of heaven. In fact, in Isaiah, we read that uh, as... As the rains come down from the heaven, so shall my word be, right? God refers to his word as water. He also refers to it as food. That is our sustenance. And if you don't have the word of God in you, then it's time to bone up on the word. Amen? And that's what Pastor Mark was ministering about this morning, right? He was talking about speaking up. When you speak the word... When you speak the word out loud, not mumble it, not think about it, not consider it, but actually sit down, read the word, say it out loud to yourself, amen, that word will become active spiritual food in your spirit. It will begin to become a reality, more of a reality in you than the reality of the surroundings or the situations or circumstances that you are facing. So it's important that we have the Word of God at all times, amen, 24-7. Feed yourself the Word. You have to learn how to feed yourself the Word. Part of it comes just coming to service, just like you did tonight. Praise God, you're here. Amen? But there are some people that aren't, and there are some people that don't show up every Sunday. But I can tell you that every opportunity you have to sit underneath the Word You need to be sitting underneath the Word. And on top of that, you need to be feeding yourself the Word of God 24-7. Amen? 
You know, my wife, she, uh, you know, I have to sleep with my wife and her iPad because she has the word of God, you know, piping through her ears. And I don't know why she can't use her iPhone for that. But you know, I, I'm bumping into the iPad in the middle of the night. But she's always getting the word of God. Amen. And uh, but that's important because you know what? That is food for your spirit. Amen. I can tell you one instance in my own life when I was a little bit low on spiritual food. It happened uh, a while ago, and, and, and it was uh, a situation where my work was really getting the best of me. I was um, under a lot of stress. I was really busy. I was traveling all over the country, uh, taking care of business. And what I was coming up against was a lot of attack from the enemy. And rather than combat the enemy with the word of God... I was just trying to do everything under my own strength, trying to figure out, well, how do, I, how do I get out of this jam? How do I figure out this problem? How do I solve this situation? Rather than just consulting the Word of God and finding out, okay, Lord, what is it that you have for me to do in this situation? And uh, sooner or later, what happened was uh, I was on a trip, and you know, I was getting ready for the day, and I looked at myself in the mirror, and I saw this red patch right on my shoulder. Oh, wow, I've never seen that before. You know, I, I was hiking the last weekend. Maybe it was maybe a spider bit me or something like that. Didn't think much of it. Then, you know, as, as the week wore on, I started to feel some pain uh, from that same spot where, where the red spot was. And, you know, I got back to the hotel room, and I looked at myself, and that spot got bigger. And each day went by as I was on this business trip, and every day I looked, the spot was getting bigger and bigger, and I thought, whoa, you know, I have no idea what this was. And, and so, I, you know, I told my wife, and she was um, getting, she was preparing to go visit family down south, and, and so I, uh, I said, well, you know, as soon as I get back home, I'm going to go see the doctor. So I, you know, I fly back home, and I... Uh, I didn't know what was going on, but I was getting, I was feeling more pain, and I was seeing this thing growing on my shoulder as each day wore on, and it was starting to kind of scare me. And so I go into the emergency uh, room and, and at the hospital, and I asked the doctor, you know, doctor, what is this? And he said, uh, looks like you got the shingles. Oh. And I said, shingles? That's, that's like an old person's disease, you know? <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm 30-something. I, I, you know, I can't afford to have shingles at this young of an age. He says, no, that's, that's shingles. And he said, you've been under a lot of stress? And I said, yes. And he said, that will cause it. And uh, I said, well, okay, give me the cure. He says, there is no cure. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. I just came over here, sat in the emergency room for four hours, and now you're telling me you have nothing for me? He said... You know, get some uh, hydrocortisone and take some Tylenol and hopefully you'll feel better. But, you know, you can't get rid of it. And I said, so, all right, I know the cure. So I went back to my home by myself because my wife was gone. She was out of town. And um, I just started praying about it. And then I said, you know, I'm going to just put some healing scriptures on on my tape. You know, this is when we had tape machines, you know, before CDs. So I'm playing this tape of, um, I think it was like Lynn Hammond or somebody like that, going through healing scriptures, and I was just listening to it. And, and I turned off the lights because I was really tired. I was exhausted from this trip, and my, my neck and my shoulder were feeling really painful, and this thing started to, like, turn into sores 
on the side of my neck and shoulder. And, um, and I'm just praying. And I, it was almost like I just kind of fell into this trance. And in this trance, I could feel darkness start to envelop me. And I've never experienced the, this presence of this darkness to such a degree where it was starting to suffocate me. And I was trying to say the word of God, but I could not say a thing. And then I came out of this trance, and I was like gasping for breath. And it was like, and it was like the Lord was showing me, you have no, no word to combat this attack from the enemy because you have not put anything in you. You know... I don't know if they still have it on bottles, you know, returnable bottles, but it used to say, no deposit, no return, right? And that's what we're talking about. If you don't put a deposit of the word of, of, of God in your heart, you have nothing to come out. The Bible says that a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. We heard Pastor Mark say this morning that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it show you the fruit of it, right? That... Whatever is in your heart is what comes out of you. And when you don't have the word of God in you, when you have not been feeding yourself and sustaining yourself with the water of God's word, you're going to perish. And I was physically beginning to perish. Well, praise God, the good news was, was I got hold of uh, Charles Capps. Uh, God's creative power for healing and that little blue book. And I just, I camped out on that and I just followed the prescription right in the book. It says, repeat these verses three times a day. And praise God, you know, I can tell you that I've never had the shingle since. God has miraculously healed me. But that was a big lesson for me to learn. And it just really showed me how vitally important it is as Christians, as spirit beings, we have to sustain ourselves with spiritual food. Spiritual food, spiritual water. So the first thing is what to wilderness survival? Bring plenty of food and water. Amen? Praise God. So we want to do that. The second thing that we need to do is to stay on course and not fall for the mirages. Stay on course and not fall for the mirages. Let's look here in 1 John chapter chapter 2 here. 1 John chapter 2. We're talking about wilderness survival. First step is to bring plenty of food and water. Secondly, we want to stay on course and not fall for mirages. You know, I, I, um, I used to watch movies when I was a kid because, you know, you didn't do anything else. They didn't have the internet back then when I was growing up. So, you know, I'd watch those old movies, you know, that they'd show on, on um, the chan you know, channels in the afternoon. And, you know, sometimes they would show these people that were stuck in the desert, right? And, you know, after a few days of not having any food or water, you know, they began to hallucinate. They began to see something far off in the distance, like an oasis. They would see, like, palm trees and water. And then they would, like, you know, rather than stay on course, they would, like, divert themselves and walk toward that, that oasis or what they thought was the oasis. And then once they finally made it to that destination, they found out what? Nothing. There's nothing there. Amen? 
And you know what? In, in, in the wilderness, it can be that way as well. You can begin to start seeing things that are not there. It may come from wishful thinking, from the flesh. It could be from the devil himself tempting you. And, you know, especially this, this is really true with, with uh, people who are in or, or people who don't have a relationship with other people or they're, they're, they're feeling lonely. And they come across somebody and they think, you know, this is Mr. Fine or Miss Fine. And, you know, they fall for the mirage. <laughs> and then they find out, you know what? What I thought was there is not there. And that can happen a lot to a lot of people, right? You know, you may get into that place of feeling lonely and you can get diverted into something that you think you see and it's not really there. Now, we're here in 1 John uh, chapter 2. Let's look here in verse 20. It says, but you have an unction from the Holy One. We're talking about believers here. How many of us are believers? Raise your hand. Amen. Most of us here are believers. You have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ or the anointed one? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. So we have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth to lead us, and to guide us into all truth. Amen? Amen. But you know, sometimes we don't allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us into all truth. Sometimes we like to go by what we think or what we feel rather than what the Spirit of the Lord has to say or what the Spirit of the Lord has to say through the Word of God. Amen? Amen? And it's so important that we get, that we get the truth. Out of God's word. It starts, one, first of all, from bringing plenty of food and water. Having that spiritual food of God's word in our hearts. So that when the spirit of truth will lead us and guide us into our truth, amen, we'll we'll know it's the spirit of God because it will line up with his word. Amen. I don't know how many times I've been in situations where, you know, it might be a tough situation maybe with regard to um, a, a transition on a job or finding new employment or something. And, you know, some opportunity will come up. Or maybe you're not happy with your job and some other opportunity may come, come up and it may sound good. Like, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. You can't pass it up. You will miss God if you don't take this opportunity. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen in a lot of churches. I've seen people fall for that stuff. I remember in, in, in church, there was this, uh, this scam going on in church called Airplane. I don't know. Some of you may have heard this. Some of you may never have heard of this. Hopefully, you'll never see it here. But uh, there was this thing called airplane where if you got 12 people, and they always picked the number 12 because it sounded holy, you know, and, 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 that the, and the Christians would fall for that. You know, it must be of God. It's number 12, you know. And, um, you know, if you got 12 passengers, you could be the pilot of your own team. And all they have to do is give you $200 and $300 to ride in your airplane. This was a pyramid scheme. Okay. 
Well, I can't tell you how many airplanes crashed and burned in that time frame. But what happened was some people were getting taken off the course and attracted to a mirage, to something that wasn't there. Amen? See, Satan comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. And he would love to do nothing than to steal your time and steal your life away from you and steal your joy through foolish things like mirages. But he'll do it. And he'll look, for, he'll look for any vulnerable soul in the church for it. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Praise God. And I'm going to read out of... Uh, Bring the message translation for Colossians 3.15, please. Colossians chapter 3. I'd like to read the message translation because I like, I like the way it brings the light of God's word. But I'll go ahead and read it out of the King James first. It says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called unto one body, and be ye thankful. Let's go ahead and look at the message. It says, Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing and cultivate thankfulness. I like how it has been taught to me that the peace of God is like an umpire to your spirit and to your soul. That if you, start, if you see something... And you get a check in your spirit. And and the best way I can describe it is just an uneasy feeling in your gut. If you don't have that silky smooth feeling of peace about about making a a certain decision or going into a different direction in your life, then don't do it. But I, I can't tell you how many times Christians have overridden the peace of God. Because their brain or their mind would kick in and they would say like, well, well, Brother Hing, you know, you just don't understand. This is an opportunity of a lifetime. And I've seen so many people like bolt out of town to pursue a career opportunity only to go into a place where there is no church, that where they could be fed or established, don't know anybody. And then what happens? They, get, they mix up with the wrong people. They, they fall off by the wayside. Or they crash and burn. It's so important that we understand, praise God, that as we're going through those tough things, those tough times in our lives, amen, that we stay the course. We stay the course. And that's why it's so important for you to understand what the will of God is for your life. The Bible says in Habakkuk chapter 2 that we are to write the vision down to make it plain Upon tables, so that when you read it, amen, you may be able to run with it. You need to find out what does God say about this situation in my life? What is God telling me this is where I'm supposed to be going? And then stick to it. And it may not be an easy glide ride. It may take some, uh, some fortitude on your part to weather through some things to make it to your final destination. 
But I guarantee you, if you just do what God tells you to do, praise God, you'll make it. And praise God, it'll be far better than anything that you ever imagined. Amen? Amen. So, again, we want to bring plenty of food and water. We want to stay the course and avoid mirages. Now, the third step, or the third thing, is, is somewhat related to that, and that is this. That we are, all to, to, we are to continue to move forward and never move backward. A lot of times, as we're progressing through our faith walk with God, we're staring our promised land right in the face, even though we may not see it in the natural. We may be two steps away from that place called the promised land, but we, don't, we may not see it in the natural, and we may decide, you know what? This is just not worth it. This journey is just too much work. I'm just going to turn around. And it's very easy for us to always go back to that place of familiarity, right? Even if that place of familiarity was not a great place, it's always easy for us to just go ahead and turn around. You know what? This just wasn't worth it. God, I must have missed somewhere. No. Stay the course, amen? Stay the course. Let's look in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Anybody getting anything out of this? Amen. I told you you're going to be survivalist experts after this. Praise God. Paul wrote this, and you know, Paul, if anybody would know anything about this, he would know about it, about forgetting the past. He said here in verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. What? Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth, reaching forth to those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, a lot of times when you go out on a faith journey, you're much closer to your destination than you are to your starting point. Amen? Amen? And all you have to do is just continue to walk it out. Amen? Amen. Press your way toward the mark. Press your way. Amen? There are going to be some obstacles. There is going to be some form of opposition. But if you just continue to press your way, amen, you'll make it. You'll cross the finish line. But you have to be diligent. Amen? Diligent. Diligent. Bring plenty of food and water. Amen? Stay the course. Don't fall for those mirages. Amen? Continue to move forward and never turn backward. Amen? All right. Let's do this. Maintain an attitude that this too shall pass. You know, your attitude has every bit that it has every bit to determine whether you're going to finish your course through the wilderness. Amen. You have a rotten attitude. Chances are you're not going to survive. If you have a can-do attitude, chances are you're going to make it. Amen. You You look at the children of Israel. God told them, "I have a place." Flowing with milk and honey for you. He sent his man Moses to deliver them out of Pharaoh's captivity. Not only that, but he also gave them the riches of Egypt. 
okay, the world's greatest civilization at the time of human history, these people were giving them their wealth to take to the promised land. These people were slaves. And now they're loaded down. God creates a way through the, through the Red Sea, parts the seas for them so that they can cross over on dry land. I don't know how much more convincing it takes for somebody to understand, wow, this must be the will of God, right? And, you know, and we've seen that in our own lives where God will just do something miraculous, something spectacular, and then all of a sudden, whoa, wait a minute, we're in the wilderness here. What's going on here? This was a journey that was supposed to only take about 15 days, 10 to 15 days. It ended up taking 40 years. Why? Because of an attitude issue. They sent the spies into the promised land. What did they see? A land flowing with milk and honey. Grapes as big as my head, right? Um, And Don't let my wife tell you that my head is fat. But, you know, anyway. (laughs) I mean, just... Abundance. Everywhere they look, abundance. Except one thing. Some of the guys said, but we are like grasshoppers in their sight. Well, excuse me, but it didn't say that the giants told them that they were grasshoppers. It was their attitude where they looked at themselves as grasshoppers in the sight of what they perceived as giants. But didn't God tell them that they would be well able to take that land? Amen. Amen. And yet it was that attitude that we're just we're just grasshoppers, we're weaklings, we're you know, we're slaves. Come on, Moses. Didn't you see us? We I mean we we were slaves, we were serving everybody, we were washing people's clothes, cleaning houses and doing other horrible jobs in the land of Egypt. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like a place that I would want to return to. Nonetheless, what they said was, you know what, Moses? It would be better that we go back to that land and work for Pharaoh again. No, you have to have an attitude. Look, I don't care what I'm going through. This is just a test. It is only a test. Amen? Nothing but a test. And this, too, shall pass. Let's look here at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I know Pastor Mark often cites this scripture. Amen. And, it's, and it bears repeating. It says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that, which you, that, above that you are able. But will with the temptation also, what? Make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God's never going to load you down with something that you cannot handle. He'll never allow it. Amen? And so you need to have this attitude that's like, I don't care how tough it feels. I don't care how hard it gets. God's never going to allow me to fall under. He's never going to allow me to fail. God's not a failure God. God's all about success. God is all about you reaching your promised land. Amen? You know, I can, I can uh, tell you that uh, there was a really tough wilderness period that I went through years ago. 
Um, it was right after my son was born. He was a little bit over a year old, and um, I had been uh, working for this company, but most, more importantly in my life at that time was my wife and I were charged with establishing a, a work, a church, in the city of San Francisco. So we moved to the city of San Francisco, and we started up a church. It first started out un, under humble beginnings in a Bible study at my home, just like this church started out as, you know, started out as a home Bible study. And, and uh, you know, we grew to the point where we then moved into a um, a building that we rented in the city. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just happily doing God's work. The Lord instructed me to do this. And at the same time, I was working a full-time job because I believe that, you know, that with this ministry just getting off the blocks, I needed to put everything I could into the ministry. That meant I was not taking any kind of income or anything like that from the ministry. That was everything was going back into the church so that eventually we could get our own building. And uh, I was working this job, and I got a call one day. It was just before Christmas. Uh, my boss called me, and he says, Rich, uh, you know, our sales have been down, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to let you go. And uh, I said, really? And he said, yeah, we, you know, we just haven't been hitting our numbers uh, you've been a great employee, but, you know, I'm going to have to let you go. I'm going to have to let some other people go as well. And so, uh, I, and so I said, okay, thank you, you know, for the opportunity to work for you. I, you know, I enjoyed working here, but uh, I understand you, gotta, you have to make that decision. So, you know, uh, I'm looking at this baby. <laughs> I'm looking at my wife, and I'm looking at the big rent check or the rent bill that we're getting every month. And, you know, at that time, you know, how many of you know, know that diapers are not cheap? Yeah. <laughs> Especially disposable diapers, okay? You know? So, you know, baby needs diapers, you know? Whether I have a job or not, he needs some clean diapers, okay? So I got to get some clean diapers somewhere, and I got to get some money to pay for these diapers and feed this family and feed myself and sustain, you know, keep a, keep a roof over our head. So, you know, I'm like, Lord, what am I going to do? And, you know, he showed me. He said, you know, you need to get in the Word of God. Find out. And, 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 I, and I found out about this book by uh, Dr. Jerry Savelle. It's called The Prayer of Petition. And if any of you have never heard of that book, I really highly recommend that you go to the bookstore and get that book. It's called The Prayer of Petition. And in that book, he describes how you go about in literally writing down a petition to God. Listing out what it is that you're believing God for and then showing the Lord from his word, this is why I believe what I'm saying here. And uh, I looked up scriptures about work. I looked up scriptures about God supplying my every need. I looked at scriptures about God being my sole provider. And I must have had about 30 scriptures and the Lord said, okay, you're working for me. And, you know, that was a big revelation to me because I was thinking that I was out of a job. But he said, you know what, you're still working for me. And so he showed me, he said, this is how you get things done. And I wrote out what I was believing God for. I mean, I even wrote out to the dollar what I was believing God for in an income, what I was believing for 
in terms of benefits, like health care benefits. And I even wrote down that I was believing God for a company car because I needed a place. You know, I was in sales. I, I, needed to, I needed some wheels to get around. At the time, my wife and I just had this, this little car of hers, and we were hauling church sound equipment, you know, from our garage to, our, to the church building. And I had my baby in this car seat surrounded by amplifiers and speakers praying to God that nothing landed on his head. And, you know, so I'm just believing God. We're talking about wilderness survival here, people. Okay? And uh, I, had to, I, I had to camp out on that word. I wrote the, that word out, and I wrote out everything I was believing God for. And I went through that every day, three times a day, before the Lord. And, you know, a month went by, nothing. Another month goes by. I think I got one interview. And they said they didn't like me because they didn't think that I was the kind of guy that they would want to go out with uh, after work to have a beer with them. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, wow, you know, Lord, what is this? Okay, so third month, get a call. You Richard Hing? Yes. Uh, we saw your um, resume on one of those job websites like Career Builder or something like that. And, uh, you know, um, this was the HR person. She said, turns out that you, you and I went to the same university. You know, this was back in the Midwest. I'm here in California. Um, and uh, looks like you have the, uh, the right kind of background that we're looking for. Um, do you have, you know, are you working right now? I said, no, I've been... I've been out of work. And, you know, and the devil is always, like, in your ears, like, saying, oh, you know, you're out of a job. Nobody wants to uh, employ an unemployed person, right? Or, you know, you're getting older, and, you know, every day that goes by with you without a job, you know, it's going to be that much tougher for you to get a job. You know, all those lies, right? And so, you know, it's like, you know what? I said to this, I said to this woman, I said, this is, this is the situation. This is what happened. And she said, okay. And she said, well... You know, um, I'd like to turn your name and your resume over to the hiring manager, and he'll give you a call. And, you know, and immediately the image that came to me was what uh, Jesus spoke of in Mark chapter 4, that the kingdom of God is like a man who planted a seed in the ground. And how it produces, he does not know how. But every day he goes to bed and rises up, and before you know it, you first you find the blade. Amen. Right? Amen. Here was the blade. I got a call. Richard, and I said, "Yeah, um, yeah, I'm uh, looking for a, a, a sales engineer in in the Bay Area." And you know, your resume came up, and blah blah blah. We hit it off on the phone very well. He said, uh, "Hmm, looks like you might be the right kind of person." You know, I'm going to be in San Francisco uh, in a couple of weeks. Why don't we get together and? I can meet you in person. So, praise God. There's the blade. Go into the interview a couple weeks later, and, you know, he's in this suave boutique hotel in San Francisco, and, you know, and we meet, and uh, he said, uh, you know, we just really hit it off, and, you know, and he said, uh, he said, well, you know what, I think we need to take this further, and uh, we'll probably have to have you come out to our headquarters out in the East Coast. An interview with a few of the a few of the executives out there, praise God. Then the ear, Amen. First the blade, 
than the ear. So I go out there, praise God, and, you know, I'm just, you know, confessing abundant favor with these people. Amen. And I haven't gotten off of my confessions, okay? I'm st- I'm, I mean, I'm hanging on every one of those words. And, what, and some of those scriptures dealt with, dealt with favor, having the favor of God. And uh, I go in there and, you know, one guy wants to talk about the Masters Golf Tournament because, you know, they're just down the road from Augusta. And, you know, another guy wants to talk about some book that he read. And, you know, I'm like thinking, what kind of interview is this, you know? <laughs> and uh, so, um, I, you know, I... So then, all of a sudden, the people are starting to talk to me like, well, when you come, op- when you come back, you know, we're going to have somebody, wait a minute, I haven't even gotten an offer letter yet. What are you talking about when I'm coming back? So, but, you know, they were speaking in faith better than I was. Amen. <laughs> and then uh, my, the guy, the hiring manager says, Rich, it looks like you're a really good fit. We're going to have to bring you back in here. I'm going to call you tomorrow and we'll make you an offer. Yay. Then the folk horn in the ear. Amen. Amen. And you know, let me just tell you this. In all this time, there were only a few people that knew about the situation I was in. I didn't tell my congregation this. I didn't tell my parents about it. I didn't tell anybody. You know, I only told people that would, who, who would have the response, let me join my faith Amen. with you. Amen. Don't share your business with everybody. Amen. You don't have to broadcast. Every, you know, it wasn't like I was like ashamed of my situation or anything like that. But I just wanted to make sure, look, if I tell you, I want faith operating in the same direction I'm going. In. Amen. I don't need somebody counteracting my faith. You know, I don't need somebody saying, gosh, did you hear about Rich? He's laid off for like four months. You know, is he ever going to get a job? I don't need people with that kind of faith. I need somebody that says, you know what, Brother Rich, I'm in agreement with you. Amen? And sure enough, that guy called and he laid it all out. And you know what? I was just, I had my prayer petition. I was just checking off every little line I had written down. The money, the company car, it was a new car, amen. Um, Everything right there. Praise God. God is faithful. Amen. And you know what? God is not a respecter of anybody. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you. Amen. God is faithful. Praise God. Some of you may be going through a wilderness situation right now. And all I can do is encourage you to find out what does the word of God say. Forget about what others say. What does the word of God say? Forget about how you feel. Forget about what they're saying on the news. I turned off the news. Amen. And my news was good news. It was the gospel. Amen. Praise God. Wilderness survival, folks. Amen. Bring plenty of food and water. Stay on course. Amen. Don't fall for the mirages. Continue to move forward and never move backward. And praise God, maintain an attitude that this too shall pass. Hallelujah.